you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. Are you nervous about what he's going to say? A little, yeah. I'm a little anxious. Almost every night for a year, I've walked through the door and told my wife about a new terrifying thing I've learned about earthquakes. Rachel, there are going to be fires. Rachel, we don't have water. Rachel, do we have earthquake insurance? And we get serious about it. And then I do nothing. Honestly, If I wasn't on deadline for this episode, I don't even know if I would have invited this guy to my house. Are most people earthquake ready? No, and that's why we exist. And, you know, the the ironic thing is it's not that complicated. Says you, Alex Bachman, owner of Earthquake Ready For You, who comes to my house to tell me everything that's wrong. You have experts telling you an earthquake's coming, earthquake's coming. We just can't tell you when, so why not prepare? You know, it's sort of a no-brainer. So I find that very surprising that people don't take it more serious. Thanks. All right, let's 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 we'll start on the outside and, and we'll come inside. Oh, well, you can't. Is it moving at all? No. It looks pretty <laughs> So we can't shut off our gas, maybe. A big strong man like you can't do it. I can't do it. And no turning off the gas means no stopping a gas leak, which could mean fire and explosion. Things didn't get much better from there. Let's let's look at our fire extinguishers. Okay. So, a couple uh, of things about fire extinguishers. Okay, so no. they're just sitting on the ground near right, the door. So we know nothing about Right this. next to a can of gasoline, by the way. <laughs> Interesting. Well, they go together. Now, this one Uh-oh. has the, the gauge is actually in the red. So, this, this number one, you do not have any artwork above the bed. That's what we look for first, which is great. Okay. Do a lot of people put artwork above their yeah, bed? Yeah, but nothing heavy. They'll put little lights. Yes, yeah, so this is dangerous. We see standing mirrors all the time. They look cool. People love them. But it doesn't take much to tip these over. A good portion of it. So at the top, about two feet of the mirror are now laying on on the bed where uh, Rachel sleeps. Yes. And that would be pretty dangerous. Yes. In the middle of the night. And her terrible husband never fixed it to the wall. (laughs) And Rachel's going to Now, the changing table has drawers that can be pulled out. And you've heard stories about drawers being pulled out and, and kids climbing on them. So now what we can do a little experiment is pull out the drawers and see how easily that tips. And you're changing tables on legs, on pretty tall legs. So that makes it... I knew we weren't prepared. I didn't know my son's room was basically a death trap. I just, I actually want to... Is he, are you okay? What happened? I actually want to do this earthquake stuff. Like, I really do want to get everything bolted and take care of it because I'm tired of messing around with all this stuff. Like, with this podcast, the earthquake has become, like, this thing that we talk about, like, every week. But then we never do anything to improve, you know, our earthquake preparedness or readiness. And it just adds to my anxiety. And I don't like it. 
it's like that bench that we have unbuilt in the backyard. Like you have said you were going to build that bench so many weekends and then, you know, you're tired or you need more supplies or there's a lot more steps than you anticipated and then it just never happens. I'm bringing my bench into this. <laughs> well, but it's true. I mean, it's a great example. So that's what I'm saying. Like, let's actually make the commitment and do something about it this time. You guys, I had a grand plan for this episode. It was the one I thought would be the most fun to do. You know, it's just buy a bunch of stuff, show everyone how to prepare, strap things down, stock up, make my family safe. Because this could be the worst disaster in U.S. history. Really. How hard could preparing for it be? I'm Jacob Margolis. This is the big one. Episode 7. The Plan. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. <laughs> I think they're so smart. Just, what the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. So you've heard me talk about projections from the ShakeOut report for six episodes now. I mean, you know that water can be an issue. FEMA says you should have one gallon per person per day. We don't have any. You know that food and supplies and medicine could take a long time to make its way into the disaster zone. And when it does, we could have to wait in Disneyland-length lines for them. Guess what? I've got two cans of garbanzo beans, three cans of tomatoes, and two cans of coconut milk. Not to mention the electricity problem, the gas problem. I don't even have a flashlight. And if my home's wrecked and we can't stay there, hey, at least I have this one sleeping bag for a family of three. Honestly, I only have like a few Band-Aids. Thinking about getting ready was fun. Having to do it is absolutely daunting. So where did I start? The internet, of course. I Googled. I Reddited. I YouTubed looking for how to prepare. And my God, have you done that yet? Knives, tarps, twine, fishing lures. Watching all these videos, I started to freak out about the stuff that I'd have to handle if this thing hit. But look, I'm no prepper. I'm no survivalist. I just want some basic stuff to get through a couple of weeks. Max. I needed a mentor. So then one night, 
I'm at my friend Brian's art studio. I'm at this party. We're standing there. We're talking about earthquakes. You know, I'm just freaking everyone out. I know it's awful. Don't invite me to your parties. And he says to me, ah, you're not ready? I've got everything for the big one. I've got water. I've got food. I've got go bags. I've got a bucket with a toilet seat lid on it so I can poop in a civilized way. I've even got a spreadsheet. And I said, mentor, take me away. So my friend Brian, he's an artist, kind of like Oscar Schlemmer meets Pee Wee Herman. He does videos and costumes. It's really good. Anyway, Brian claims that he and his wife and their three-year-old kid, they're all ready to camp out or completely escape L.A. if it comes to that. <laughs> you're like, you're like seven, seven bags. Oh, I'm kidding, right? <laughs> they're all different kinds of bags. So we used, I didn't buy any special new bags. We just used old Campy bags. Okay, so what do we got? We've got a compass. We've got a handkerchief, but it has a star chart on it. I don't know how you'd orient yourself with that. I think it's just more like if you're gonna have a handkerchief for the apocalypse. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Oh, oh, radio. A wind-up radio, so that you know you can listen to NPR in the apocalypse. Tell me that's not important. Oh, edible wilderness cards. So you can play cards, but then they also have what's edible to eat in the wild on them. That's a that's what we call a two for one. Um, emergency whistle. I mean, it's radio, so. And then, do you know what this is? It looks like a wrench with four different kinds of inputs on it. Right. So, on the outside of every building, you'll see a little pipe come out the outside with um, a little square bolt on it this if you turn it will release like a lot of water from a building out of the the little um uh spigots on the side of the building so this is basically a wrench to get water from those kinds of taps but i have to say i feel pretty what's that? i feel pretty crazy when it's just like a sunny day and everybody's walking around whistling, you're like, hmm, we need more dried food. <laughs> beans, more dried beans. Because <laughs> there's people with real, real survival nuts that would, that would be like, you're missing this and you're missing this. Mostly, I think real survival nut, nutty people would be like, you need a gun. There's not enough weapons in these bags. So I'm going to get like a Sig Sauer or something like that. Like That's a, where you and I disagree very strongly. You think I don't need weapons or I do need weapons? You don't. I would rather live with the idea that my neighbors and the people in the neighborhood and everyone, everyone's going to be good. And there's like social science. Like there's actual science that shows in disaster situations. Like people are generally pretty good yeah. and they want to help each other. Yeah. So let me paint a picture for you. And There's I think a gun is over, is over the line. Say both of those buildings are damaged. Both of the houses on the property are damaged. And we've prepped up, we've set up tents here, and we're okay for a few days. Slowly, people are coming up and, you know, being like, can I have this or can I have that? And it's like, if I'm trying, if I need to provide for my family... Should I be sharing with everybody who just comes up and be like, can I have whatever you have? I haven't really thought this, thought about how much of like a, how generous I, I'm supposed to be in the apocalypse or not. 
But like, I think that's a question. And then what happens when I say no? And they don't like that answer. And they're bigger and stronger than me. I don't think a gun is the first thing I'm going to like put in my pack. But if I'm thinking about it, if there's a 5 or 10% or 15% chance that we're in a situation where a gun would come in handy, I don't see a reason why not to have a gun. If people are coming up and asking you for stuff, I just imagine in how would you have access to that gun, right? You'd take it out and you'd go, this is getting a little weird, and you'd be carrying it on you. I, and maybe someone is having a bad day and they come up and ask you a little too aggressive. And maybe they kind of like argue with you. Yeah. And you play it out, and you could quickly see how something like that, yeah. maybe they have a gun too because they're worried. If there were no guns, I'm not into having a gun in my house in a protect my home kind of way. I don't think that's a realistic way to go about protecting oneself or one's property. I do, because that's the police job. I think that's the job. Just have a good security system. Like, I'm not going to be breaking out a gun in the middle of the night, aiming it at figures moving past my window. Like, you know, similar to how my parents did it. My parent, my mom shot a hole through their bedroom door. Yeah. Um, Why? Because she thought somebody was in the house. Was it one of you? No. But it could have been. Anyway, I I think that we're having a bigger, broader conversation about whether how what the function of guns should be in a in a potentially apocalyptic environment or post disaster environment, and we don't know what that scenario is. I think that the bigger question for us is: you don't feel like systems are going to be there to support you and help your family. No, I believe after all the research that we've done that even though there are big holes in the systems, there's going to be a lot of problems with them, that people will be able to get help in the event of a major earthquake. I hope so. I hope you're right. I want to say that after I left, I thought that Brian's whole prepping thing was, like, kind of crazy. Sorry, Brian. But later, I found myself going down an Amazon hole at 1 in the morning like buying gloves that let me open doors if my house is on fire. It's hard not to think about the worst-case scenario. And once you start, once you let that in, it's hard to stop. All of a sudden, you're asking yourself, what is keeping society together? Maybe I will end up needing a hatchet to protect my family. I got to the point where I needed some perspective. So I called Dr. Robin Gershon, a disaster research scientist at NYU. So I'm I'm wondering, like, how do I not how do I not go nuts uh, preparing <laughs> for this thing? <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> so I had a debate with my friend who who is ready to bug out to the desert and. The debate really came down to should he or should he not have a gun in his kit? From what you've seen when we're talking about research and the topic, should people in these earthquake zones and in disaster zones where people need to prepare, should they have guns with them? 
Well, I, I think we already know that I, something like there are three guns for every United States citizen in America already out there. So I think there already are a lot of guns out there. I think having people without law and order um, and lots of weapons uh, with them is a recipe for disaster. And remember, the hospitals may be damaged. We may not have the full complement of health care providers, even if hospitals are o- open, because we might not have the surgeons in there that we need. So if people are getting shot and they're getting injured, they may die from that, something that might be survivable otherwise. My friend said to me, if I don't have a gun, I'm just prepping for my neighbor. Because he feels that people will steal all of his supplies, yeah, even at gunpoint. That's a pretty sad indictment of the human condition, don't you think? <laughs> it's kind of where I ended up. We did a study a while ago that was interesting. We did a study on asking it what we call essential workers. Will you show up and report to duty during a disaster event? And we gave them some scenarios. And so we had a multiple set of different types of employees, essential workers, including fire and police and EMS, healthcare, and we included corrections officers in that sample. And it was very curious, the findings. We found out that even people that have a responsibility and actually a duty and they are legally responsible to report to duty such as fire and police and EMS and corrections even those people a large proportion surprising proportion up to about 50% said they would not report to duty so your friend who's saying he wants to have a gun he's thinking that the the infrastructure for law enforcement will break down and that we won't have law and order. So he wants it taken into his own hands. And based on the results of our study, which is very large, it looks like he may actually be right about that. It's not the conclusion I was expecting you to end up on. <laughs> no, but it was it was very interesting to see uh, corrections officers, it was a very high proportion of them, maybe I think it was close to 60%, who said they would not report to duty in the prisons as, re- as required by their job d- description in the event of a serious disaster event. It depended on the type of event, but for, for a lot of the different scenarios we gave them, they said they wouldn't show up, and that is a serious problem, uh, you can imagine. So to me, you just made the argument for having a gun. Well, I personally would not have a gun. I don't know how to use a gun. It would be a dangerous thing to have a gun for somebody like me. But um, I see where your friend is going, and I think he's the one that wants to go out to the desert. Isn't that right? Yeah. So he wants to have his gun out in the desert when he's out there all alone without any law and order. He he said a scenario of – so this is the scenario he told me. He wants to go out to the desert if things are bad enough – But he wants to also hunker down at his house for a period of time. And what he said was, like, what if a weekend, you know, I have the supplies and someone comes up to my driveway and asks me if I have supplies and I say, yeah, but like we can't share or no, I don't. And they get aggressive. Like I have my baby and my wife. What am am I supposed to do? But remember, within at least a week, at the outset, maybe two weeks, help will be on its way unless it's, it's so devastating that huge swaths of the country are destroyed. Within a week or two, you'll have supplies. You don't have to shoot anybody down. 
uh, better to share what you have so that everybody has enough to just wait it out until the help comes in. But help will certainly be on its way. Look, a lot of people in 9-11 survived because the people around them on the stairs calmed them down. They said, don't get off on the floor. Don't start screaming and crying. Don't get hysterical. Just come with us. Everyone's going to get out. We'll all be in it together. And they were remarkably calm. And they all got out for the most part. So what do you recommend I say to myself, though, at 3 a.m. when I'm going down an Amazon rabbit hole? researching, trying to buy stuff for the apocalypse instead of the earthquake because you're not rational at 3 a.m.? No. No. You're, you're not being rational. What you should do is get off the internet and listen to some nice music that will calm you down. That, that's not being rational. That's, that's not rational. Maybe it makes you feel like you're in control. Uh, I'm sure it does to some degree. But you realize during a really horrific event, there's no amount of preparation that you can do. None. We, we have to accept it, but it's a rare, rare, rare event. So there's no sense worrying about it when we have many, many other things to worry about and to be ready for. Alaist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAist.com slash events. The journalists of LAist work for you. I'm LAist senior health reporter Jackie Fortier. That's where you see the necessity of having to educate our community. I explore how your health is directly affected by rising temperatures, wildfire smoke, dense traffic, oil drilling, airport noise, and overcrowding, and find possible solutions. LAist, independent journalism, fact-based journalism. There are an infinite number of things that can happen. This earthquake, it'll definitely happen. And it will not be the apocalypse. I'm going to be honest. Each day I didn't prepare, I dreaded doing it even more. After talking to Dr. Gershon, I did feel more centered and less like I needed a motorcycle with gas cans and a shotgun slung across my back, and more like I needed an emergency radio and some fire extinguishers. And then the reality about cost set in, and the reality about the deadline for this episode set in. So I just made a list and I went for it. Here's some of what I ended up buying. A sleeping pad, a tent, a crowbar, Ponchos, emergency blankets, emergency tarp, water for our cars, paracord to tie things, lighters, fire starters, extra flashlights, a clotting sponge for deep wounds, well-reviewed tweezers, anti-tip straps so that, you know, the mirror doesn't kill Rachel and the diaper table doesn't kill my son, and of course, some headlamps and freeze-dried pad tie from REI. I do still need to get more water, but all told, I had to dig into savings and spent about 700 bucks which you'd think would leave you in a great place when a disaster hits. So, what better thing to do than to just test it out? 
it's 9, 10 yeah. at night. Usually we go to bed by 8.45. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, what we're going to do with the magic of radio yes. is make a big earthquake hit. So the first thing we do is is dive under the table. Okay, so let's go under the table. What about the baby? He's in his crib. Oh, well, he's sleeping, so he doesn't play with us in this scenario. But, but what we would, would we, do? we would wait until the shaking stops and then we'd run and go get him. Our whole house is a mess. The books are everywhere. Our kitchen is all out on the floor. I think one person checks the baby and then the other person goes to check that gas main. It's completely dark. You do have your alcoholic drink, so that makes this whole thing a little easier. Yeah, I'm feeling really relaxed right now. Okay, so we found our gas main, and still haven't been able to get it to turn, so we would just explode. Cool. Okay, keep going. And it's also kind of kind of drizzling a little bit. Definitely drizzling. Do we feel safe in the house, or do you think that we should be? We should go outside. I mean, how do you check? Like, what do you do? Look at the ceiling for cracks, or yeah, you look and see if there's X-shaped cracks in your house. You look around and see walls or ceilings, or where do you look for those? Yeah, I mean, and also it depends on how big of a mess your house is. I guess like we also can imagine glass being everywhere, and we have pictures just hanging. Okay, so we go sleep outside. You're so smart. <laughs> I would have never figured any of this out. I think I could do this. Oh, it's raining. Does this, what we did tonight, make you at all nervous? No, it actually makes me feel better. Why? Um, <clears throat> because it wasn't like we were fumbling around like idiots in the dark. Like, we were actually able to set up the tent. We're in it. Do you feel better than that? one day after the inspection when you were sitting on the bed and telling me that we needed to get ready. Yeah, I do feel better. I don't know, because I feel like we've actually finally taken some steps to move a little bit closer towards that goal. Like, for a long time, I didn't feel like there was any forward motion. Like, not only for the two of us but like when I was single I always thought like oh I should get an earthquake kit together I should get an earth and I and I just never did it you know so it feels good that like some progress has been made in that department it might not be perfect we might not have every single thing we need but like at least it's in motion and that makes me feel better and I think that's the point of preparing because at the end of the day when this earthquake hits, like, I don't know if we can anticipate all of the situations that would occur, you know. But I think, as you know, you prepare as best you can, and at least you have that.
don't know. It gives me more peace of mind. Can we go inside now? Yeah. One last thing. Brian did get a gun. Next episode, we explore why we, me, you, humans, are so bad at preparing for disasters. And of course, after the credits, Misha has your tips. The journalists of LAist work for you. I'm LAist Immigrant Communities Correspondent Leslie Bearstein-Rojas. For many, this has been their only job since immigrating to the United States. My work connects communities, helping us discover one another, better understand how immigrants are changing LA, and how LA changes immigrants. LAist. Independent journalism. Fact-based journalism. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at LAS.com slash events. See you there. To figure out how to keep your significant other safer and happier, stick around for tips after the credits. Misha Youssef is our lead producer. Arwen Nix is our sound designer and executive producer. Mary Knopf is our assistant producer. Megan Garvey's our editor. Megan, thanks for putting up with my stuff. Our music's by Andy Clausen. Our engineers are Sean Corey Campbell and Valentina Rivera. Website and design from Stephanie Kraft and Dana Amahir. Illustrations and animations by Dan Carino. This episode was written by me, Jacob Margolis. Thank you, Alex Laughlin, for helping us with marketing. Thanks to James Kim for always making sure we take breaks. If you want to see what FEMA thinks you need to be ready for the big one, we got you covered. Check out our article on what you need at our website, kpcc.org slash the big one. Hey, Big One listener, it's me, Misha. This episode, you listen to Jacob and his wife prepare for the earthquake. There are a few things that you can also do to put yourself in a better position. Tip number one, make sure to bolt and brace everything in your house. Something as simple as Velcro on the inside of your cabinets can keep things from falling out. Tip number two, do not hang heavy items like pictures or mirrors near beds, couches, or anywhere you might be sleeping or sitting during the earthquake. Tip number three, make sure that you put large and heavy objects and things that can break easily on lower shelves. That's all the tips we have for today. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water. I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley. 
how this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever, and how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.